let's just get started here, guys. And um, ladies and gentlemen, I should say. And um, yeah, welcome. I mean, we've been having several of these Abide Mass Zoom meetings, which we've had kind of a lecture series. We've had some panels and a little bit of everything. And if you were with us way when we began this last year, um, a lot of it was informal and it sort of got more formal as we were going forward. But we had met with a couple of those who were on the study committee for the Human Sexuality Report. And so really kind of we're coming back to our roots a little bit tonight with Jose, because Jose was a part of that committee as well. But we're also going to be looking, uh, talking to Jose Reyes and just getting an idea of um, what's happening in the Consejo Latino, especially with the, um, the report that they put out, this position statement that they put out. And we're going to be digging into that together tonight, hopefully getting a better understanding of where we stand and where we're going and all of those things. So just a welcome to all of you. We're glad you're here. Um, I know we said this a couple of times, but if you've just come in, um, yeah, put your name and your church and your town in your, um, change your name, just that way we can get to know each other on the windows here. And with that, let's open with a, with a word of prayer. I'm going to first read some scripture though. Um, Back in 1976, um, Peter Berger wrote a book, um, Against the World, for the World. You know, I think that's one of the things we wonder about. I mean, what does it mean to be against the world and for the world? And that really applies to what we're doing here, because it always feels like we're standing against something. You know, we're, we're reacting against what's happening. We're hearing things coming through our denomination. And it feels like we're, we're, we're standing against people all the time. But the sense here is that this is the place that we need to be because to be against the world is to be for the world. Because what are the goals of the world? The goals of the world are, are, are certainly not the goals of God. They're certainly not to pursue God. They're certainly not the goals of Christ and his kingdom. Um, and, and so we're against the world so that the, the kingdom of Christ can rise. And so even with this too, you know, we, we, we stand against the revisionists that would like to change the position of our denomination, that would like to reinterpret scripture, because we, we also know the ramifications of that. It's not just an issue of human sexuality. It's not just, you know, what happens in somebody's bedroom, but this gets down both to the truth of the word of God and also to the heart of the gospel, the, the, the very gospel that, that Christ has worked out through his own death and his own resurrection as it comes to us and as he brings himself to us as, as our bridegroom and we his bride. And so as we pursue kind of all, the, all that we're pursuing here in the Abide Project, the mission that we have set before us as we're looking forward to Synod 2022, remember we're, we're against the world for the world. And this is what we're really against. This is where I'm going to read from Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to, to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. That's our goal, to stand firm so that we have a story to tell to the nations. 
that we have a gospel to bring to those who need to know Christ. Let's pray together. We thank you for one another. We thank you for your truth, which stands forever. And I thank you that you have moved within these brothers and sisters to seek to stand in that truth, to understand that truth, and to proclaim that truth. So we pray for our brother Jose tonight as he, uh, as we talk with him, as we speak with him, as we um, try to understand uh, another segment of our own denomination and Lord, how we come together and contend together for the faith that has been handed down to us. I pray that you will move in him and that you will be with him. Bless our time together. We pray it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Yes. So Jose, glad you're here. So I've known you for a, a number of years. We've had lots of chats over the phone. We've been able to talk together uh, periodically. And um, so I've gotten to know you and I would love for everybody else to get to know you a little bit more. So just introduce us to yourself. Well, my name is Jose Reyes. Um, I'm a first generation Hispanic born here in the United States. And as some of you may have heard from when I was in uh, at Synod is that I actually lived in Mexico illegally for seven years. Uh, so it's kind of a different thing, but uh, that's what happened. And um, so when I was 13 years old, I was supposed to go to the Catholic seminary and that didn't work out. But uh, nevertheless, there was always this call that, uh, that I would be involved in ministry. So fast forward a few years later, when I came back to the United States, um, I studied engineering, and uh, it was when I was in engineering that I really did feel the call to ministry, and at that time I was with the, with the uh, PCA. So I did go to seminary. I went to Westminster, and um, when I got my MDiv, uh, shortly after that, um, I, um, I came to the CRC. Um, I've been married for 37 years. My wife, Valerie, she's, um, she's uh, Dutch American. We have three kids. Two of them are in, in wheelchairs because they have cerebral palsy. And um, one of them, uh, it's in kind of an interesting thing. She, their, their brain is all there. It's one of those things that you wouldn't notice. But my daughter, uh, she, um, she studied forensic biology. And unfortunately, they can't hire her because of her cerebral palsy. Uh, my, my son is three years younger, and uh, he's, he's got the same condition as her. So uh, we're working with that. We're dealing with that. Um, but my older daughter and my wife, they're both LCSWs, licensed clinical social workers, and they're both working at the hospital. Uh, one of them is working with uh, victims of crime, and that's my wife. And my daughter is working with... Um, with um, uh, victims of, uh, of human trafficking. So uh, well, since I came here to El Paso, like I said, I came here in 2002. And ever since then, uh, I've been working as a church planter and as a uh, community developer. And so I've had a lot of opportunities to, to talk to different folks. Um, and part of my job out here is to raise local leaders that will continue to work in the um, in the uh, the church planting field. 
you want to, I can just go ahead and answer the question that you have there about giving a glimpse into the work of the study committee. Well, for one thing, the, the study committee as it was very unusual because it was a five-year study committee and um, it was uh, going to have um, members of, of um, that, that, that would basically represent the, um, the makeup of the, of the denomination. And so um, we had an African-American, well, myself as a Hispanic, and um, so we had all, all of that. And then we had the, um, some, uh, a couple of professors from, uh, three professors from, um, from uh, uh, Calvin Seminary. Um, but the thing is here is we met several times in person, but what was important more than, more than just meeting in person was that, was that we had a continual um, uh, uh, conversation going when, when, when we would write something or, or provide feedback. And the whole point about that was to have a continual feedback that we could spend the time not only praying for each other, but also praying for the situation and asking for, uh, for, for, for the Lord's guidance and all of this. So that was all what was happening there. And we, the, yes, there were some times that there, there were some disagreements, but overall, again, the, in, in, the, back, in the background, everything was, was going to be um, based on what, uh, what is scriptural. scriptural. So um, we went on that and the guiding factors that we had was we started out with the present position of the denomination, which is what we were told we we're gonna work with. Um, we were looking at the current leanings of society. And most importantly, like I said, we were using scripture as, um, as the, uh, the main driver for what we were doing. Well, that's great to hear. Obviously uh, using scripture as the main driver for what you're doing. Um, how often, uh, how often were you in contact with the other members? I mean, this, this is a kind of a cool thing. How, how often did somebody write something, come together? Uh, how often was this interaction with other people while you were doing this work? The interaction that sometimes was on a daily basis and some other times it was on a, on a weekly basis to give us time to review the information that was written. Um, so especially when it came to the, the section on um, on 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 theology, the theological portion, that one was was uh, one that took us uh, some time, um, and there was a lot of review. There was, and so we had to be very careful that that we were not going to be going off in 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 a different direction. Um, one of the one of the comments that we had heard at one point, and again, this is why the emphasis was on scripture was that some folks um, outside of the denomination were saying, well, you know, when the, when the, when the report comes up for, uh, for discussion, that instead of, instead of focusing on scripture, that they should start bringing in personal stories. And the difficulty with that is, you know, you can have a really nice sounding personal story, but you can still be wrong. And so regardless of what that is, we had to go back to scripture and you know, it's very uncomfortable sometimes to be challenged by what, what God tells you, but he does it for a reason. And, 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 you know, it may be painful to hear what God says, but it's the right place to be. It's certainly been my interaction. Uh, scripture's up more often right than my opinion is. Um, one of the other uh, 
uh, I guess, contentions with the report uh, that I've heard of is um, uh, not interacting with current science on uh, personalities and uh, sexuality and um, the idea behind uh, what, I guess, scientific or psychological uh, and even biological uh, evidence for and um, uh, for homosexuality and and uh, what that would entail to give support to people who are same-sex attracted now and how that might come into conflict with scripture um, uh, how 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 did that work with your considerations I mean obviously if scripture is first then something else would have to be second and um, if you go into a little bit of, of how you guys talked about that and, and how you guys looked at uh, scripture really taking precedence, even in the light of, of um, uh, newer medical information regarding um, care for people with same-sex attraction, because I know that it's come up a lot with um, uh, suicide rates obviously are, are the big um, concern with people living with same-sex attraction and if there is no acceptance they people many people say that the rates will go higher how how did that how, how was that conversation engaged with the with the um the committee well uh, to, to start off with like i said we our starting point was scripture what does god say and when you look at scripture um, you know, a lot of people would say, well, Jesus never mentioned anything about, about uh, homosexuality. And the reality is, if it's our starting point is Jesus, you have to remember there was absolutely no, no reason for him to start mentioning anything, because that was the cultural belief that, that you know, there's only man and woman. So all these ideas that, we're come, that are coming up right now, the, of gender identity and all of that, um, you know, you, you, can, you can look at even at the science and, and, and look carefully to what they're saying. And they actually contradict themselves in many ways. There have been a, there, there have been a lot of reports that say that somebody has, uh, has at the cusp of, of figuring out, you know, this homosexual gene. But up to this point, nobody has actually been able to prove it. So when you look at, the, when you look at reports like that, you have to look at it very carefully. And you look at what scripture says, and scripture does not mention anything about, about genders. It doesn't talk about um, uh, cisgender this, cisgender that. It, it, it speaks only in a binary role. There was man and woman, male and female. That's it. So when, when, we, when we were looking at it, like I said, we, we, we had reports from different people. And we also, when it came, for example, the, the point of... Um, of, uh, of, uh, of the uh, gender dysphoria. Um, I had personal conversations with Mark Yarhouse. And one of the things that he was telling me is, is if you let the children normally grow in a healthy home, you know, 98% of those that, that experience that gender dysphoria, it resolves itself by the time that they become teenagers. So this idea that they have to suffer and that they have to go through all of these things. What's, what the reality is that a lot of that is infused by the parents and the family that wanna push them to accept a particular point of view rather than allowing them to grow. So 
it, it's 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 not that difficult to see that that the, a lot of the reports that are out there they're 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 they have no uh, no proof to what they what they were trying to do, and then you also have to take into consideration that some of the things that are being proposed for the these these kids that are going through this is is actually child abuse. I mean, if you have a boy that has a preference for pink, it doesn't mean that he's going he's going to be homosexual. So why would you submit that child to start using? some kind of hormone therapy or castration or something like that when they don't even know what a penis or a vagina is so so you have to be careful with those things and 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 allow them to 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 grow and to uh, you know give them factual information but what is happening in many cases is is something ulterior is being forced upon them and they're saying this is what you are rather than allowing them to see what God has made them to be and what they are going to what's supposed to be growing into be. Um, I don't know if you guys have, have seen what's happening here in Texas, but um, there, 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 there's a law right now that, that, that the governor is going to sign that basically says that all of those therapies are considered to be um, uh, uh, child abuse, and they are. So right now, even the major hospitals are saying we're not going to be providing any kind of that reassignment therapies um, until they're 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 much older. Let's, uh, thank you, thank you for that insight and those discussions. Um, one of the things we do want to get to is um, Consejo Latino has come up with a a, a statement um, specifically on, on some of these things, and so can you kind of lead us into that? Uh, what how did Consejo Latino start and, and how does it function? Um, you know, what kind of hopes and dreams went into that so we can better understand the writing of, of a specific statement coming out of that? Yeah. Well, first off, what is the Consejo Latino? The Consejo Latino in itself is a group of Hispanic leaders that are working for the flourishment of the church, uh, specifically the development of the Latino ministries. Now, you got to remember that that the church for many years has has had stages in which it's growing when peter borgdorf was um was with us um you know there was a lot of talk about hispanic ministries and and we actually came to a certain point where we said hey wait a minute you know let's start looking back at what's happening with the hispanic ministries and we actually had to sit down ask forgiveness and move forward because a lot of the things that were expected never happened. And so the question was, do Hispanic ministries only flourish when, when, there is, uh, when there is some kind of funding from the denomination and then it cuts off and then it dies? Or do the, are they really growing? And so we had to wrestle with that. And so out of that wrestling came a catalyst group. This catalyst group was proposing to talk about uh, what... Uh, what was happening in the Hispanic uh, ministries. And then at a certain point, um, this was in 2012, um, I was at the uh, at, at Synod in, in Ontario. And uh, there were several of us that sat there that were Hispanic pastors that was sat down at the table for lunch. And I asked the question, what would it look like if we got the Hispanic pastors together to have a conversation to see really how we're doing? 
to be able to see, you know, is race relations really um, um, working with us? Are we working against them? Are we working in unison? So that was that was in uh, um, in June, and that same year in November, we actually had a group, a large group of folks that came together here in El Paso, and uh, uh, we gathered for for the purpose of getting to know each other and to support each other, and and out of that out of that group, um, uh, several of us um, are actually on the board for uh, for the Consejo Latino. Now between between 2012 and 2015, the Consejo Latino was, was, was maturing and it became the Consejo Latino. And it wasn't until 2017 that we got together in, um, in Houston that, we, that we, we, we formalized things and we were able to have a president, a vice president, a secretary. And so right now, uh, Mirta is with us. She's uh, She's on the board. I'm the I'm the I'm the I'm the the the, the stated clerk for it. Uh, she's the vice president, and Harold Caicedo is the president. Um, we wanted, and, and it took a lot of time and prayer to say, you know, we want people that are going to be investing their lives for this because what we're doing is not necessarily for us at this moment, but for what's going to be coming down uh, many years later. And so when we when we did this, um, we came together and we asked what would happen when we go ahead and do this. And out of that, that came the concerns that we wanted to um, address the uh, the different levels at which the Hispanic ministries are involved. Um, interestingly enough, uh, part of the the development of the uh, of the um, um, Consejo Latino. Uh, has taken us much further than the boundaries between the United States and, and Canada. Now we have a very large influence in Mexico. We have a very large influence in Venezuela. And I'll let Mirta tell you in just a little bit, but, but there is a number of churches from uh, Venezuela that have actually been, uh, and this is just in the last few days, that have been included and added in as full membership of, uh, of uh, Classy's um, Southern California. Uh, so again, you know, so the, the dream was to go beyond just being a name, but to be very involved in the, the development of the leadership and developing leadership that is reformed and is conservative. It's not something that you can do in, in you know in a year this is this is basically a lifetime commitment that we're doing so when i look back back to 2012 it's just a small step between 2012 and 2022 but we have accomplished so much and so that's that's basically in a nutshell what happened with the development of the, the consejo latino um, you were talking about, you know, what are what are the future dreams? The future dreams are again to expand uh, the, uh, the the ministry, so that instead of looking at only having commissioned pastors, which is what's happening in a lot of the Hispanic churches, is that we are able to jump them beyond that and have our own professors, our own um, reform professors. I got to say that that have that drive and desire to teach what is scriptural. One of the things, and, I'm, and I believe Ernesto's with us tonight, 
um, Ernesto, I've been mentoring him. Uh, our church and our class, he supported him to go get his MDiv. And right now he is, he is um, I think in the middle or towards the end of getting his doctorate degree. And what we wanna see is see Ernesto eventually either teaching, teaching at uh, Calvin or teaching at some kind of an extension where we can train leaders that can go beyond just becoming a, a commissioned pastor to be becoming fully ordained ministers of the word in the CRC. Uh, thank you so much, Jose. I'm excited just hearing you talk about it. That's, that sounds uh, amazing. Um, that, just some, some great hopes for the future in that. Uh, with all that going on, and, and with this kind of this momentum uh, growing, um, uh, Consejo Latino came out with a, a, a particular statement um, uh, yes. regarding issues we got going on right now. Can you tell me a little bit about what uh, what was the talk and the leadership about that and how that came about? Okay, well, uh, first off, we had to come to the realization that this is a historic opportunity. It's a historic moment in the church um, because the Hispanic ministries are actually maturing more than people realize. Um, the, the music, the, the preaching, the teaching, all of those things that the church is doing within the Hispanic ministries is, is coming to maturity, but it's, just, it's also in, resp in response to the growth of the Hispanic ministries within the church, within the, within the CRC. And so as a result, we were we were looking at what's happening um and and you know the hispanic churches are struggling with the same thing with the anglo churches uh in terms of what's happening with society and culture so it became necessary for us to write a position that would be biblically guided and that would reflect the deep roots that we have as as hispanic christians um and so this position statement what it does it helps us articulate our cultural identity in Christ. And that is one of those important things because a lot of folks don't understand the depth to which the Hispanic church is, is reaching to, to hold on to that identity in Christ. And so that is part of it. Um, and so it also helps us represent those, the, the conservative values that the Hispanic community has it, 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 it helps us, you know, articulate, you know, what our leadership is, our dignity, and our reverence for God's word. And that, again, goes, that's where the core of it is. If we are going to be biblical about this, then we need to uh, reflect that in what we're doing. But here's the other thing that drove us to do this. I've been involved with All Nations Seminary since uh, 2002. And so we've been teaching Reformed theology. I've been teaching classes on, 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 uh, on the prophets, um, uh, church, uh, um, uh, church order, ecclesiology, the uh, surveys of the Old Testament. And so uh, what was happening is we were getting a lot of questions that related to sex. And so... If you really want to have a healthy church, you really have to talk about these things in church. And so the, the concern was it's not just the Hispanics and the CRC, it's the Hispanic Christians. And so 
the the and here is where where this is very important that you understand that the um, that the human sexuality report it's not only being read within the circles of the CRC. There's a lot of uh, non-denominational students at All Nations Seminary because it's, it's labeled as a non-denominational seminary, but we have the reformed emphasis. And for the very first time, many of them are hearing, you know, what the, what the Bible actually says about sex, that it's not taboo, that it's not something disgusting. It was something beautiful that God made and it continue, can continue to be beautiful as long as it, it falls within the guidelines of what is permissible by God. And so there's a lot of folks that are waiting to find out what is going to happen with this report. And they're, 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 they're just waiting to hear what the conversations are gonna be like and, and to be able to put into practice what that report does. Now, um, one of the interesting things uh, about the, this statement is that if it is adopted, it will open up the doors to include other churches that are just with it, it, we're sitting there with the expectation to see how true are you going to be to it. In, in Florida, there's, a, there's a, a university called Revelation University. Narciso Montas is the, uh, the director. Uh, he is at the point right now that is saying, you know what, I am going to go full-fledged and I am going to work with the Consejo Latino and we are going to become the uh, Revelation Seminary. They are already going through the paces of getting uh, accredited by the ATS. I mean, this is not <laughs> small fries. This is, this is something that's going to be going much further than what, than what you're seeing right now. And so when you have when you have groups like that, um, you know you, you're 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 taking them to the centrality of Scripture, which is important to us. You're taking them back to uh, a healthy sexual um, um, component of of natural life that God has given us. There's nothing wrong with it. And, and so again, having uh, having having this adopted will help us. Um, uh, build that that um, that uh, koinonia with them. Build the koinonia even within the church, because there are very specific things that 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 tie us together, that bind us in in our in our statement of faith. Fantastic, Jose. That is that is excellent. Um, so with wow, so with. Um, this kind of expanding influence um how have you seen maybe draw that uh that microscope a little in towards the crc how how have you seen the discussions on human sexuality and and how, and your report uh that kind of influence how has that kind of been received within latino churches in the crc specifically well, the Latino churches within the CRC are basically saying, you know, we, we, we didn't know how to articulate this, but now we do. Uh, especially since the, um, the, uh, the, re, the, the, this is a huge report. It's not just a, um, a regular report that is 20 pages, it's 175 pages that is loaded with theology. I translated it to Spanish. And ever since it was translated to Spanish, it has been one of those eye openers for a lot of folks that says, yeah, you know what? 
now I have another tool, not only to teach, but to preach from. Um, what I'd like to uh, uh, draw my attention to, to Mirta, because Mirta has a lot of, uh, a lot to say, and I know that she's, she's just about ready to burst, but she can give you a little more um, uh, background on, 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 on the actual writing of the, uh, of the statement, because she was very much involved in that. Would you like to comment on that, Mirta? Please, Mirta, if you want to, un, uh, yeah, please. Okay. Okay, in one conversation with Andy Seisman, uh, you know, I was, we were talking about the human sexuality report and he asked me, do you have any, as a Latinos, do you have any position about the report? And I say, we don't have, but I would like to have. And, you know, I, I, I call Harold Caicedo and I say, we need to have a position because we are very conservative and we really, we accept and we adopt the human sexuality report. And we want to show to our churches who we are and what is the position that we have. And immediately, you know, we, uh, Harold, he wrote uh, the position that we have right now and we sent you know, to our churches and, you know, immediately our churches, they were connected because uh, we are conservative. We are, you know, we as a Latinos, uh, you know, this is something that we never discussed. For us, you know, the Bible is very clear about what, uh, Lord, what the Lord say about who we are. And we don't, not, we don't have anything to discuss. If we believe in the Bible and we accept the uh, word of God, that's exactly our position. Now, I'd, I'd like so, to address the question that, um, that Tyler is making. He says that if the CRC doesn't adopt the confessional, uh, as, as confessional uphold and enforce it among the congregations, how do you foresee the impact of the CRC's relationship with these churches? Here is one of the interesting things. Being right is not always going to be the most popular position. But if we hope to make some kind of change in the church, we cannot shy away from it. So my, what I foresee happening is that the Hispanic church is going to stand up. It's going to say, hey, it's time that you pay attention, that you listen, because it, this is affecting the Hispanic church and the CRC very much. We love the church. We love the deep roots that we have. And we love the, the, the Reformed theology. And it's not going to go away. We're not going to let it go. So in answer to your question, Tyler, I can foresee a lot of the churches throwing in a lot of overtures stating that their, their dissatisfaction with not adopting it and pushing for the church to get on the right track. That's what I foresee happening there. It's now, very interesting. A, yes. Oh, it's just very interesting how you're, how you're talking about this uh, and Mirtha as well, because you're, you're talking about uh, something that in other conversations, many of us have been having, this has become, this human sexuality report has been talked about as, as a point of division and creating division 
And yet amongst your community specifically, this is creating unity. Uh, this is, is so great. This is amazing to hear. Now, here's here's in, a, in answer to, to uh, Josh Christoffel's question, it says, how can we hear from Latinos and Koreans uh, at Synod? Well, one of the things that we've done is that we have presented this document to different classes, to different churches, and uh, praise God, just last Saturday when we had our classes in Arizona, Arizona has adopting it and is going to be proposing sending it as an overture to synod to be to have this document um used in consideration of the deliberations uh i think uh classes um california south did the same thing and there is another there's one church in uh the houston area that uh that adopted it and is going to send it and this is where Another beautiful thing came out that was in 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 some ways it was like a um, a dream expectation, but it's actually happening. Um, even 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 church uh, the pastor church relations has suggested that we have some kind of uh, of policy that would delineate what we believe, and uh, a lot of churches have been under attack because somebody comes in and says, "Oh, I got a gay couple that wants to get married." or I've got a gay couple that wants to do this or do that, or serve here, serve there. Most of the Hispanic churches did not have a policy that they could say, this is what I'm holding to. But as we've seen, not only in the church where I'm at, but also in the church that is, that, that is in, um, in, uh, in Houston that's sending this in, now they have something because they have adopted and endorsed it and that is their policy their, when it comes to human sexuality. Now, that's, that, that's a wonderful thing because now it gives us another tool to be able to provide to the church so the church says, yes, this is how I'm protected because this is what we believe and this is what is scriptural and I'm not going to buck from it. Now, the question that I have from Josh is how can we hear from Latinos, Koreans, and others? Here's the thing. The Hispanic, the Hispanic community, the Consejo Latino is the only ethnic group up to this point that has developed and, and, and brought together a statement such as this. Um, we translated it to English and Spanish so that anybody that can read it, anybody who wants to read it for the, for, you know, for, for, the, for the most part, it's there, they can, they can, they can look at it. Um, and again, this is one of those things that we've done within the Consejo Latino. Nobody's paying us to do these translations. We did that on our own, and we're providing that so that anybody that wants to see it can use it. Uh, you know, it's 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 not something that's that's patented or trademarked because it's all based on scripture. That's God's thing. So uh, I hope that that's that answers your question there. I have another question here from Lee Christophers, how would the Hispanic churches be affected if Synod would adopt, adopt it but fail to enact discipline upon those who reject it and reject the confessional status? Very good question. First off, um, one of the things that we need to remember is that this is a foundational document. It is not complete. So what we're looking at in the future is that perhaps some of the other, some of the other folks 
may be uh, uh, petitioning to synods and then the next synods or the next ones in the future that a group may be formed so that they can address for the example of discipline. I agree with Matt Tuninga that that was one of the weak points. But again, like I said, it, this is a foundational, a foundation lane document. It is not complete and there's a lot more work that has to be done. And so I foresee that even if they, if, even if the confessional status is not, is not accepted, it's going to be coming back again. It's not going to go away because if you look at what scripture says, this is an affront to the gospel that, that's <laughs> happening in community. And, and we are going to push that, uh, that it be recognized as, as, um, as uh, 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 the biblical statement. So the idea, oh, no, go ahead. Can I say something? Yes, go ahead, Harold. Yeah, uh, I think uh, when, I, when I was writing this, this communication, I, I was thinking about the, 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 the important things that are happening in our uh, denomination, you know, uh, um, as part of the COD, we are confronting a lot of things uh, for the last two years. And now, from the, uh, the, the next synod, is going to be one of the most important in the last decades or something like that. You know, it's going to define the future for the, our denomination. So that's why I think uh, in, in this particular issue, as, as a, um, any group, we need to say, we need to share with the with the denomination, what do we have in our hearts? You know, uh, because we want to create unity uh, around the, the most important things that we we, are, we we need to confront. We are so diverse and we are multicultural. But at the same time, we need to be connected in the most important things. So that's why, you know, uh, I I wrote this communication, and I think all of the any groups has to do something like that. Are there any, um, talking about communication and hearing from people at Synod, um, is there anything that that uh, we can do or, or uh, can be done by the denomination or would help generally uh, in increasing Consejo uh, Latino to have a, a better visibility within the denomination or to get your message out or to better communicate uh, with, with other churches? Is there anything that you would like to see done to increase communication? What, what I'd like to see happen is, um, is have the doors open so that we can come visit um, different classes, different churches uh, around the uh, United States and Canada to present to them who we are and also uh, let them know um, what, what is in our heart, you know, why, why we, why we are doing what we're doing. Uh, this is not something that, that is, that is a whim. This is something that, that Harold, Mirtha, myself, even Ernesto and other folks that, uh, that are in the church, um, have been wrestling with for a while. And so it's part of the maturing of the Hispanic church. That's really what it is. And, we have a responsibility to step up in that maturity. We have a responsibility to step a step up and present uh, these these um, these thoughts, if you want to put it that way. 
That's great. Um, wow. Uh, <laughs> I've got about 10 questions going on in my head right now. I'm trying to find the words for them. Um, and, and maybe um, one of the things that, that has come up several times uh, in discussions that I've had um, is the idea of uh, going on in the future from the foundations that the HSR is laying um, into pastoral care for people uh, who are same-sex attracted, uh, remaining in the denomination. Um, uh, and I don't know, maybe, or I don't want to put Ernesto on the, on the spot here if he's, um, if he's not prepared to talk, but you mentioned uh, him going, uh, finishing up his doctorate and going into ministry. Uh, looking forward as ministering uh, in the CRC, or, you know, even um, just because it's coming from everywhere, it's affecting all sorts of churches. Uh, how do you see pastoral care being um, developed from the HSR going forward to, to better meet the questions of, of the culture as it, as it presses against the church right now? Didn't answer that, Ernesto. Sorry, Ernesto. <laughs> yeah, you, you really caught me completely off guard. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, uh, well, let, let me see if I don't uh, uh, do something wrong here when my, 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 my camera on. Yeah, but since my, my main ministry is with the All Nation Seminary, I think that's a good point to start uh, moving this information towards the, the students that are training to be pastors and ministers to the world. Uh, this seminary, as uh, Jose mentioned before, is a, a non-denominational seminary or interdenominational seminary. And that's a great point of, of contact with many other uh, groups, many other traditions, many other thinking. And, uh, and, and many, many uh, people that I minister, especially in El Paso, they are uh, hungry to know the word, hungry to know the Bible, hungry to know all the things that we offer them. And uh, if I start uh, using this document, the Hispanic, the Hispanic documentation, uh, that will be a very, very uh, conversation opener for, for the students that will eventually be, become the, the next generation of, of leaders in, in, the, in the church in general. So yeah, I guess that this can be definitely uh, a good point to start uh, forging those kinds of conversations now that uh, it is open. So. I don't know if that was the question you were asking. Well, yeah, um, that's... Just... Go ahead. Yeah, just to augment what, what, what Ernesto was saying is when it comes to pastoral counseling and when it comes to discipline, there's, there, 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 there has been a lack in those areas in, in some of the Hispanic churches, not all, but some. And yeah. so what we're looking at is how do we integrate the, the teaching that's there with scripture, looking also at the that the um, the uh, the creeds and confessions, because they all they all become one corpus. They all become one corpus that helps us explain what scripture does, what scripture says, and you know you look at scripture; it's a living document. So there there is no such thing as saying there is we're coming to the end. We just keep. We keep learning, we keep growing, and that's the point. When it comes to the the uh, the, the counseling portion, yes, there are so there are there there are some very good um, 
um, counseling uh, materials. <clears throat> but if you if you look at the difference between 1950 and, and and 2022, many things have changed. Many things have gone have gone on, and as we're growing, we're also looking at the fact that that scripture can address it as we move forward. And so some of the things that come in in uh, in counseling, for example, and discipline, um, we haven't finished doing it yet. And that's why this foundational document gives us a starting point to be able to say, let's move forward. Now, one of the beautiful things that is that is that that uh, as a part of the statement that Harold wrote at the at, towards the end of the um, of the position statement is we're not rejecting homosexuals. We're not trying to say we hate them. We want to love them in the love of Christ. But like I said before, sometimes the love of Christ compels us to go to an area that's very uncomfortable. And if and if if you think you're satisfied with what you're doing and you find out that it's not right, it's going to be uncomfortable for you to try to get out of it. But those are the things that 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 we can work with or we can work on and develop as we go. Um, one of the things that, for example, um, and uh, this is very important, when it comes to discipline, one of the areas that is really ignored in this kind of situation in which we have a group from, um, from, uh, from, 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 from different extractions um, is moral relativism. Who's right? Who's wrong? And then when scripture says, you're all wrong. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> do you find um, that you mentioned creeds and confessions? Do you find you're you're finding that obviously for you? Are you finding now even in this broader conversation that uh, a reformed theolo theological context offers a a, a you know a, a vigorous uh, opportunity to uh, defend the faith, provide counseling, show who Christ is. Yes, it it it, it definitely does give the opportunity for all, for all of that. Um, the writers of the uh, of the creeds and confessions, you have to remember, they didn't know it. They didn't know everything at the time when they when they did it. And yet, think about how foundational those documents are. They're not. They they were not wrong get that you know maybe some mistakes here and there but overall the content of the creeds and confessions have stood the the, the test of time we're talking centuries and so when you look at that hold on to what is good hold on to what is good and build upon it and, and that's what we want to do so um again you know that that's one of the one of the issues that uh that, that we're looking at that how do we go ahead for the next round uh, how do we get involved and and I can tell you there there are going to be a number of folks and this is something that's pretty much unknown to a lot of people in the denomination there are more there are more Hispanics that have very good theological backgrounds than you might realize that's that's good reassurance I'm happy to hear that yeah Anyway, uh, I have some uh, some uh, questions here. Uh, let me see. Oh yeah, uh, Laura Copley says, "Come to Red uh, Classes Red Mesa." Um, that's actually on my radar. 
So you're going to hear from me very soon. <laughs> um, then, and then there, there's a question here. It says, can anyone from Canada speak to the laws regarding illegal conversion therapy? I can't, I can't tell you what, what uh, about that, but maybe somebody wants to chime in in the conversation on that. But uh, here is another question from Josh Christoffels. He says, a past officer of Synod, do you have any Synod advice for us or insight as to how Synod works? Well, um, the only thing I can tell you is just be very clear. Try and make sure that your argument is clear and that you're not gonna be flopping around. Um, what I've come to find out uh, through all these years at Synod is that the most important thing is to be precise, be straight to the point. Don't try to sugarcoat it. Uh, that doesn't work. Just, just be, uh, be very clear as what your position is. There, there is a question here um, from Joseph, and I'm wondering, um, you know, within a within a Latino context, uh, do you come up against this resistance? Um, and saying that, well, you know, love isn't love without affirmation. Um, and I'm wondering what, how, uh, you know, how that in a Latino context, how does that, how does that come off as far as counsel, pastoral counsel, and and uh, uh, and concern in a in a church context? Well, I, I can give you an example of what's happened here where I'm at. Okay. Um, there are a group of, of, of homosexuals that were not homosexuals when I met them. And yes, they were in the church. They're not in the church right now. But I make it a point to talk to them and tell them, you know what, I'm still going to pray for you. Um, I, and see, the word affirmation is, is kind of dangerous because a lot of people say, if you're going to affirm me, you affirm all my activities. And that's not what scripture says. Okay? The, the, the idea that, that, um, that, that Jesus saves is not a free-for-all. I'm, I'm sorry, but it's not. Jesus saves whom? Those who put their trust in him. Those who put their trust in him will not, are not necessarily going to change overnight. It's a, it's, it's a process. You know, that's what this whole sanctification is about. And so affirming a, a, a person is affirming that that person was created in the image of God, number one. And number two, as a creation of God, that person does have value. Now, affirming that person also is, 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 is part, part of it is to say, you know what, I know you're struggling, but your sin is no greater than my sin. Just think about what it says in James 1. You can uphold the entire law, but follow one point. And why is it that, that, uh, that he doesn't mention which point it is? Because it's immaterial. It doesn't matter which point. If you falter in any point, you're guilty of it all. And that's where we all are. And so if we are going to affirm our brothers and sisters that are in that situation, the point is this. I have to walk with them. I have to pray for them because I know that I'm just as much a sinner as they are. So affirming does not mean I, I am going to accept all of the activities that they want to do. 
I mean, it's like it's. I mean, if you you can get people from different groups and say, well, you know, pederasty should be okay because the Greeks did it. Uh, does that does God say that's okay? Sorry, <laughs> it doesn't. And so that's where the difficulty comes. And 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 again, like I said, loving somebody is a hard thing to do. I mean, you you yes. You, you, you accept the person the way they are, but you also guide them. If you really love them, you know, sometimes you have to point out where the difficulties are. And yes, it may seem like a sad truth that some people take it the wrong way and, uh, and uh, exaggerate it to the point where they say, if you don't change this way, I can't love you anymore. That's not what Jesus said. So, so again, that's... Part of the difficulty is in the is in the in the wording that we use. What do we mean by affirm? I'll give you another word that has given me a lot of trouble. That's the word inclusion. Okay, when you talk about inclusion, what do you mean? If you talk to some of the kids that I'm dealing with that have that have mental and physical disabilities, they will say, "We want to be in the church. We want to be part of the service." That's inclusion for them. But for other people, inclusion is let me bring my stuff from out there, what I'm doing, and let me practice that in the church. So that's why I said, you know, inclusion um, ends up being something totally different for some people. The word affirmation. And so it depends on how we use it that is going to either build or it's going to tear people apart. And that's where the next, the next round on this that we're going to be talking about, you know, in the future about what do you do about discipline? What do you do about uh, counseling? What do you do about support? That's where that's going to be different. And, and, you know, God is the only one that can tell us how it's going to go. So there's a, uh, there's, there's kind of a, I guess I'm, I'm hearing a direct correlation between um, uh, love and, and yet loving the scriptures more than sometimes somebody's reaction to what we say. We've really got to be definite in how we're proclaiming Christ and, and applying scripture and, and uh, not be, uh, I guess, not mincing words. I see, and here's, and here's where the difficulty of it sometimes comes in. Uh, which, which image of, uh, of Jesus Christ are you going to use? The image that the Bible gives us? Or the image that people try to build for themselves, and 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 again, you know, it's a difficult uh, relationship there because, like I said, you know, uh, scripture takes us to places where we don't want to go. Sometimes, it takes us to situations where uh, it's difficult for us because it's not what we want to do, and it doesn't make sense to us. I'll give you I'll give you a perfect example of. Of what that's like you guys all know the story of Hosea okay does it make sense to have a priest to have a prophet marry a prostitute and people will say you know that's that's ridiculous How, why would you do that but it's a process again because in the end you know not only he not he doesn't take her one time but he goes back three times and there's children that are born in there. They're given some very interesting names, if you recall. But at the very end, when he goes back and pays the ransom, if you want to talk about it, 
the ransom is the important thing. That's because now that you have her, you're going to wash her, you're going to cleanse her, you're going to purify her, and you don't touch her until then. How do we apply that to brothers that are sisters that are struggling with this? And that's the difficult part. I mean, think about this. Think about this. The word affirmation. How was it that Hosea affirmed Gomer? And that'll leave that one for you guys to figure out. But if he didn't go back as many times as he did, how did he affirm her? Mm-hmm. So, so you know, those, those are those are all things that we have to work with and we still have to struggle with. I mean, we're not done yet. I mean, God is, I mean, I, I got to tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm going through a series of sermons of, of how do you weather the, uh, the, the, tri- the crises in your life? And, you know, this may be one of them. And just because the crisis comes doesn't mean that you ignore it. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. That's, that's, boy, that brings us back to another aspect of the construction uh, of the human sexuality report. And one of the charges that um, stories of same-sex attracted people were not listed to, they, that same-sex attracted people were not seen and were not heard by the committee. Um, I, I, can you, can you kind of take that, this conversation uh, about, you know, affirmation and, and kind of bring that into how that played into the committee? Well, again, you know, one of the things one of the things that um, that we talked about when we talk about affirmation is is again, you know, the what do you mean by it? That 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 was the starting point because, like I said, affirmation and inclusion were two words that were floating around, and we had to struggle with it. What do we mean, and what do what do other people understand by it? And you have to go back. It's not what I mean. It's what does God say? God loves his all, all his entire creation. And so his creation has value. But the and, and again, this is where this is where where I think the struggle at towards the end of the of the of the time for the report was we didn't have time to go into that aspect um, uh, for 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 counseling and pastoral care. Because that's where the, the words affirmation and inclusion will take place. And in, 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 in how do we give the pastoral care? How do we show really that, that we are affirming these folks, but not in the way that the world wants? Affirming the way that God desires it. And that's where the difference is. And we haven't finished that really. And I hope that um, in the future, we we get to see that uh, developed the message would be then if you're concerned about pastoral care possibly lacking from the human sexuality report pass it and continue the work instead of opposing the work that's been done yeah so we we need to move forward we need to move forward and uh, again integrate it um the one of the questions that i have here that i'm looking at it says Part of how we got here was our failure to discipline other sexual sins. How do we get back to it? Again, we got to go back to Bible basics. We got to go back to it. Um, here's here's the situation. Um, 
when we go back to Bible basics, like I said, God's going to put us, take us out of our area of comfort. He is going to challenge us. And he is going to put us in many ways through the ringer, like, 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 like my dad used to say. But if we really want to straighten things out and go back to where God wants us to be, our starting point cannot be us. It cannot be them. It has to be what God says and what God says to me as well as others. And so, again, we, we've got to go back to that idea. Um, one of the things that we talked about in the committee was, you know, it's, it's impossible not to know a homosexual. And it's impossible also not to know an adulterer. But do we treat them differently? No. And see, that's why, that's why part of the report uh, uh, talks about those, those, those particular issues that some people are trying to push forward and say, you know, this is progressive. No, it's not progressive. It's sin. <laughs> you got to go back to that. Oh, basics, basics. Yeah. This is uh, this is good. This is good. Um, I'm not getting a whole lot more que uh, uh, questions coming in anymore. So um, I guess I'd, I'd like to give uh, Jose and you know and Mirta and um, Ernesto too, if uh, if you want, uh, just kind of a, a last word if you, if you guys would like to say anything you know your outlook for the crc or, or a message to the you know the group you got here you've got a you've got an audience what would you uh, what would you say to uh to us going forward in the synod right now well maybe uh you know i was in a forum with uh, one of uh, my students at uh, our revelation seminary you know, reform, uh, you know, a seminary. And uh, for many, many times, you know, we were like uh, hiding to talk about the human sexuality report because we were like uh, afraid, you know, uh, we were like, oh, wow, we don't have too many Latino churches. Uh, what uh, we are going to do if uh, they hear about this. But, uh, it was funny because one of them asked me the question, what is going to happen next uh, synops with the human sexuality report? And I was like, oh gosh, what can I do? I need to talk, I need to say the reality. And I started to talk and I say, well, you know, we have uh, one guy, Osiraya, he was uh, part of the committee. And, you know, I explained them everything that were happening. And I was really surprised because uh, all the guys, uh, at that time I have like uh, 12, 12, 13 uh, people in that uh, chat. They say, we want to know, we want to see exactly, you know, what is uh, happening. And I say, I'm going to share with you you know, the report in Spanish, and they say, yes, because we want to have, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, tools to defend what we believe. And I was like, oh, God, thank you. You know, uh, we, we really love you, because uh, 
for us was like a, an affirmation of our Latinos uh, churches, what uh, they believe. And that, uh, you know, gives us like, uh, you know, tools uh, to say, okay, we know where we are standing and we want to defend our people. We want to give a position of who we are and what we believe. And that uh, affirms us. Maybe Harold can say something more. Yes. Um, uh, the Consejo Latino is, is working really hard to create influence in our denomination. That's why we are always connected with everybody, you know, the executive directors, the agencies, the classes, uh, you know, everybody working with them because we want to be like a bridge, you know, between the resources that we have and the local churches. So in this particular time, for example, we, we, we know that this is an important time for, for the denomination. Uh, so intentionally, we are going to be uh, to the Sino. We, we're going to participate in the Sino actively, you know, and, and we are trying to be, you know, the part of the denomination in every aspect that we need to do. So that's, that's why uh, we are grateful with you guys because uh, it's important for us to have this, this kind of conversation, you know, and show the, the things that we are doing, but at the same time, the, the, the things that we have, we have in our hearts. Yeah, as, as far as uh, my, my perspective, uh, I'm glad that uh, I'm representing the All Nation Seminary here. And uh, this thing about the Consejo Latino uh, that we are trying to do here for the denomination, is more than the denomination. It, it needs to go to the other to the other part of the world, and that uh, the seminary is a springboard to take this uh, uh, information, take this this report, uh, not only to to the states, to the Hispanic people in, in the United States, but also to the to the rest of the, the of the Hispanic communities in the world. I mean, I also teach in the in the virtual campus in Mexico. So this can be a very good tool for me to to put that that, that question in, in the minds of people that are that don't as Mirta says they are keep quiet and they don't say anything. But this this report that now that is open uh, can help us open up our, our, our ears and our eyes to see really what's going on in, in our societies and speak about what God is is uh, wants to to say about these uh, important things. So that, that helps us. This, uh, I hope this will help uh, us, will help me uh, stop being quiet and start just uh, talking about the issues because they need, need to be spoken about, especially in our Hispanic churches. We'll uh, put you on the spot more often there, Ernesto, help you stop <laughs> being quiet. That's good. Uh, Jose, I, we got another question. I guess just again, going into this idea, if you're going to, you know, talk to this captive group you got here for their, uh, looking at the CRC, um, one of the questions that's kind of come up with is, um, you know, there are there are churches right now just openly taking uh, an anti-biblical stance on homosexuality in their churches, in their councils, um, attempting to you know change the denomination. Um, you know, we've kind of talked about, you know, waiting, going forward, uh, getting the HR, uh, the human sexuality report passed, and then, you know, building on it. If, um, if it gets defeated, or if it, uh, if it gets, you know, accepted without any confessional 
uh, status to it without, you know, saying, well, we're not going to say what the Bible says about sin. Um, how do you see Latino churches? Are, are they in it for the fight now in the CRC? Are they going to stay with it and try and correct that? Or uh, how do you how do you see that going forward? How can how can we help? Because um, there's a lot of talk right now. What do we do going forward? And do we do we stay in it and fight with you? Do we do I? What's your what's your outlook? My, my outlook on this is not do not shy away from the fight. Um, it's sad to see that in many many instances. The, the knee-jerk reaction is, well, you know, it's all going to pot. We might as well jump ship. But here's the thing. Is that what God wants you to do? Fight the good fight. Run the race. Those are, those are <laughs> you know, even, even the word gospel, evangelia, is a military term. You don't send somebody to give a message unless you're winning the war. That's the whole point of the evangelia, you know, the, 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 the word gospel in Greek. If we are gonna hold to the gospel, then we need to hold to the words that Jesus Christ gives us, that he is the one that already has, 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 has won the war, the, 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 not just the battle. And, and and it's and it's and it's you know this. You ask how do you, how do you, how do you, how do we work together? Number one, prayer. Prayer is one of those things. The other one is to continue the conversations, to include others, to say, look, this is what Scripture says. You may want to change it to read something else, but that's not what you know what what this is about. It's about truth. So. In that in that aspect, you know, we got to look at we got to look at what God wants. I mean, the truth will set you free, but the thing is, it doesn't say it's going to set you free without pain. And th these may be some interesting growing pains that we're going to have in the next few years, but it doesn't mean that we have to shy away from the fight. And, and so, what I see is that people like Harold, people like Ernesto. People like Samuel that are that are that are growing up, and and then we've got a few other guys that we're going to get. In fact, Ernesto and I were just talking about this on Sunday, that we're going to get our group of folks together, and and start having some time to share a meal, share a prayer, and share concerns, and start building up these leaders. That's what we want you guys to do for us too. Come alongside us. Um, and, and, uh, uh, I, I know, I love you guys really. I mean, I I've known Lee for a number of years and Jack, Jack Gray was, um, uh, pastor that was, uh, that was interim pastor here in, in Arizona, Tyler and I went to school together. Uh, there's so many, some of, so many of you folks that, that we know each other, we've seen each other in synod and there's a lot more that are not even here. So I, I, I say to you guys. Pray for me, pray for Harold, pray for Ernesto, because this is where the next generation is going to get the information from. Have that time to just, you know, just once in a while call and say, hey, guys, you know, whatever the fight is like, I'm behind you. I'm with you. So 
that's that's what we would like to see personally that's that means a lot to me i mean i got guys from um california i've got guys from grand rapids i've got guys in phoenix arizona that and, and even in florida that we talk you know we may talk once every two months but you know what those calls come in at the most awesome time when i need it <laughs> and let's continue that that's that's what i would like to see all righty fight the good fight support one another excellent um thank you thank you so much jose for uh coming on board here uh the abide project uh thank this your perspective on things uh, has been enlightening to a lot of us here and, uh, you know, Mirtha as well, Ernesto, uh, um, I, I just, uh, just hearing everything that's going on, it's, it's been amazing. And um, thank you guys so much for being uh, willing to uh, offer your opinions and your perspectives here. I really do appreciate it. Well, I, I do want to say something here. Um... A lot of times we don't say so much about it, but uh, Harold, thank you very much for the leadership you're giving the um, the consejo. Uh, I, I want I want people to know that Harold has invested much of his time, as well as Mirta and Ernesto and others in the in the Consejo Latino. They have invested so much of their time because of their love of Christ, and I want to thank you guys for that. I just want you to know that 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 it needs to be said. Thank you for what you're doing. Excellent. And Harold, I lost I lost Harold Square there. So thank you. I popped back up into into place. <laughs> thank you, Harold, for uh, for your opinions as well. And uh, yeah, the leadership that's going on here. It seems like God is really uh, bringing out uh, some powerful opportunities. Uh, Boy, the leadership and the training that you guys are are engaging in right now, I, I can't imagine how many uh, how many pastors, how many uh, churches are going to be blessed uh, by this work going forward. Uh, you know, the next ten to fifteen years, this is amazing. Um, yeah. one of the things that yeah, be, I want I want I want to make sure that you get a chance to do this is either Harold or Mirta. You know, just say something about what happened in just in a few days with the Church of Venezuela. That was awesome. Just share it. One of you guys. Duke it out, whichever of you wish to do it. <laughs> well, uh, last week, we, uh, you know, classes uh, California South, you know, uh, accept the churches uh, in Venezuela with uh, full membership. We have been working for like uh, two years, you know, with uh, churches in Venezuela, eight established uh, churches and 31, you know, emerging churches. And uh, we present uh, to classes uh, to do an affiliation, but the classes say, no, we want to receive them uh, with a full membership. And how, for how us, how many churches like, are there? Tell them eight. how many churches. Eight, eight. eight uh -huh. established in 31 uh, Imagine. Uh, emerging churches. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, it, uh. was, it was amazing. You know, we were in shock because we weren't expecting that. 
And uh, yeah. say, wow, you know, the, our denomination is changing. We want to give, uh, you know, a lot of fun to Colin Watson because uh, he's been helping us and he's been working with us, uh, you know, since uh, this uh, uh, process starts uh, two years, uh, three years ago. And, you know, he said, we are, you know, we want to do changes. We want to do something different. And this is the beginning of something new. Uh, we are working right now with uh, Colombia and Dominic Republic and Honduras. And we don't know, maybe we are going to <laughs> be, uh, you know, CRC International as uh, we have been talking. <laughs> that, is, that is so exciting. I love this. I, I, I have this in my mind, you know, you, oh, there's just one church down in Venezuela and you're talking about this multiple yes. thing happening and, and the yes. reception in California. Oh, man. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I want to say that uh, two years ago, we started the process with them. When I, yeah. when I went to Venezuela, I was really surprised because they are more reformed than us. You know, yes. they are really convinced about the doctrine and everything, re, re, you know, connected with everything. So uh, I was really surprised and they have a really high level of theological studies. Yes. So when, uh, we started the process and now they create church, uh, Reformed Church of Venezuela, you know, Christian Reformed Church of Venezuela. Uh, and then uh, the next step, uh, we sign a MOU with Colin that's October in, in Michigan. And then now we, we, all of the churches are we, we're accepted full membership with, with, with the Classics California South. So this, so this is really exciting. And um, our purpose yes. is, is not only, you know, it's not, not only with Venezuela. We are working now with Colombia, Republican, the Dominican Republic, uh, Dominican Republic, uh, also Mexico and Honduras. So uh, uh, we are talking with Colin and with SAC because uh, actually our, our uh, missionaries are always working for different denominations. But why not they, they work for CRC in different, uh, mm -hmm. different you know, parts of the, of the world? So that's the thing that we want to, you know, in yeah. some way to change, uh, uh, to become like more internationally, you know, that, that's the yeah. thing. So we are working really hard uh, out of the borders. So we, yeah. we've got comments on the chat here. Uh, <laughs> Say, saying we go from uh, CRCNA to CRCI International, <laughs> and that uh, wondering Tyler's wondering if uh, Venezuela might host uh, Synod 2023. Yeah. <laughs> well, there, there is one what? more thing, Mike, and uh, and uh, and all of you that I want you to uh, keep in mind right now. Keep this in very much in prayer. Um, the strategic and leadership team is trying to work out the joint ministry agreements between the United States and Canada. It is very important that we get this right because the next one, the next joint ministry agreement is going to be working with Venezuela and the countries just south of the border of the United States. So that strategic and leadership team I'm, I'm, I'm on the committee that's going to work on the joint agreements, joint ministry agreements. Please pray that this is going to be pleasing to God 
and that it will mm -hmm. open the doors for wherever God wants us to be, have yeah. however uncomfortable it may be, but he's taking us down this path. And so again, that those joint ministry agreements, uh, just pray that they are what God wants to honor him. Amen. We have our, uh, we have our direction, uh, abide, pray, pray hard and stand next to, uh, Consejo Latino and, and the work that's being done here. This is, this is amazing. Um, thank you. Thank you so much, everybody, uh, for letting us all listen to what's on, been on your hearts. Um, I'm going to turn it back over to Chad and, uh, uh, again, it's been an honor. Thank you.